0: I'm Fathery.
1: This is Dave.
0: And this is Text Track. Engage. Welcome back aboard the Starship, Texas, for the 193rd installment of the Tex Trek podcast, the home of Star Trek fandom from deep in the heart of Texas, where we take a deep look at Star Trek, old and new. And tonight, we are talking about Star Trek Strange New World Season 1, Episode 5, Spock Amok, written by Henry Alonzo Meyer and Robin Wazerman, and directed by Rachel Lederman. And uh, before we get into this episode, I just want to do a little quick housekeeping, as I normally do at the top of the show. But uh, I just want to thank everyone who's been helping us out on the Patreon. We just launched the the thing uh, two weeks ago, and I, I believe, and we already have uh, some patrons, so that's exciting. I just want to give a, a thank you to uh, to everyone who chose to chip in and help us out. Uh, our, our very own uh, Starfleet boy, Cake is Eternal and Gay Clevin Lundstrom, thank all of you uh, so much. We appreciate your support. And one of the perks that uh, everyone's going to be invited to, who's a Patreon supporter, is the watch-alongs that we're going to start doing every month. And uh, I, I think we're probably going to do that on, on Saturday afternoons, probably uh, t- towards the end of June, I'm thinking in uh, a, a week or two. But but yeah, I'm uh, really looking forward to that. I was Dave, I was trying to figure out what episode should be our first watch-along. And I, I was thinking about, like, Oh, well, we should do like some of the you know the fun ones and stuff or the ones you know people probably like seen before that are pretty iconic but would be fun to revisit and mm-hmm. uh, you know I was thinking maybe we should do like the man trap first cuz that was the first star trek episode ever to air but after after this episode of strange new worlds i'm wondering if people want to uh revisit a mock time maybe Ooh. Uh, so. i
1: i would for sure vote for that
0: yeah, so I think that's what we're going to be doing. I think I think we're going to do a, a mock time. And then, and then you know in July we'll probably do an, a different show. We we'll might do like a next generation episode. We're going to mix it up, jump around and and do stuff like that. But yeah, if if you want to be part of those watch alongs, uh you can join the Patreon as low as $2 a month. And there there's there's different levels of support, there's different uh perks, uh but yeah, if you can you can come in at the lowest level and still be invited to all of the watch longs, So we would love to have you take part in, in some of those uh, with that out of the, the way. I uh, also want to remind people that Starfleet boy and I are now participating on some streams on Trek Central on Sunday afternoon. So if you don't get enough text Trek or Starfleet Boy action in in your life, go over to uh, Trek Central. They have a ton of great content, and you can see us on those live streams on Sundays talking about these new episodes of Trek.
1: Nobody is actually getting enough Starfleet Boy action.
0: Whatever you're getting, <laughs> you need more of it. Uh, I agree with that. Uh, more Starfleet Boy for everyone. Just, uh, just take them down, pass them around. <laughs> getting creepy actually (laughs) (laughs) well then let's let's backpedal off of that and talk about uh spock amok and this episode here that i'm going to recap quickly by just reading the official synopsis then i'll kind of expand on that with spoilers and we'll tell you what we think about it the official synopsis reads it's a comedy of manners when spock has a personal visit in the middle of spock and captain pike's crucial negotiations with an unusual alien species an alien species is the uh rongonians i believe which i think is a funny name that makes it sound like that like they're wrong like they're like the the wrong aliens the rongonians but anyways they're they're doing some uh important negotiating stuff there and uh, there's a people keep calling it a freaky friday episode but but i think since, since star trek has done this before we should call it a turnabout intruder episode they get, they get turnabout intruder not freaky friday they're turnabout intrudered
1: Father, I've already seen one person in the comments who distinctly wants to avoid us uh, getting anywhere near a turnabout and shooter. There it is.
0: <laughs> I mean, uh, this that was is a Jill. much better episode. That's, that's considered <laughs> yes. one, of the, one of the worst episodes of the entire franchise. And, you know, it stings even more. That was the series finale of the original series. Terrible yeah. episode to go out on. Uh, but, but I
1: take your point. That yes. was uh, Trek does have it in its history.
0: <laughs> yeah. So we have some some Spock and Tapring hijinks. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, while that's going on, we also get some uh, chapel uh, hooking up with her, uh, I guess, her her friend with benefits. And uh, we see people on shore leave doing various things, including Una and Leon, uh, you know, the two tight asses actually, you know, doing some fun stuff. And uh, we, we end with a big, uh, I guess, diplomatic victory that Captain Pike delivers on and Spock and T'Pring having some some healthy development in their relationship which is kind of awkward because we know that she's basically going to uh, back out of the, the, the wedding
1: <laughs> Man, it's something that's going to go very bad <laughs> but, for them. And I'm not looking forward to that. Uh, you know, I'll, no. I'm, I'm going to enjoy it while I can. It does happen in relationships. Sometimes
0: Let, let's get into our, individual thoughts on this episode uh dave what was your broad impression of this one give us your your opening statement of the evening
1: just real quick aside uh the rongovians also uh, when i first heard that i was like oh man that's that's some dopey shit that's like a cheesy pun about like but but, like I, i don't know how much they wanted us to take it that way and obviously it, like I, that part ended up fine well
0: it's spelled it's spelled very different too it's like r apostrophe o n right. like that so
1: but it's like a, it's like a homonym or whatever What, what the, one of those words that has spelled uh, it sounds the same anyway I knew through the grapevine that this was going to be a comedy episode or strongly comedic I had kind of heard that uh, floating around out there and and I think Strange New Worlds has been good with their comedy but like I wasn't sure about a whole episode that sounded like risky territory and it even kind of got off on a bad foot with me with the symbolic dream the very straightforward one of your
0: favorite tropes in all of fiction
1: <laughs> yes it's weirdly common I, i'm trying to decide if i can work with it as a as a vulcan particular thing where they they try even their dreams have logic imposed upon them i'm going to think about that we'll talk about that more I later
0: I, I think a lot of like nervous people probably dream of their their wedding and stuff that seemed like a pretty realistic one
1: I, I, yeah, okay, we'll get back to that. Uh, <laughs> but um, I, the bigger point is that Strange New Worlds keeps on proving itself worthy, and I think they did uh, with this one as well. I got on board after the Spock and T'Pring swapped. Uh, at first, I was like, "Are they really doing this? Is it really is it going to be this silly?" Because I did not know it was going to be that silly. Um, and then, but then I was laughing at it. Uh, you know, I just absolutely loved Spock slash Depring's delivery to Pike of, "Now that you know uh, what's going on, you can obviously see our different mannerisms." <laughs> um, I was that killed me. And um, I like the A, B, and C plots all working in service to character growth. E- even some of my favorite Trek episodes in the past that have a lot of humor in them, like "The Trouble with Tribbles," "Piece of the Action." Arman uh, Bashir um, those ones didn't really even shoot for kind of big character growth it wasn't really part of their agenda and that's fine but I was uh, impressed at how Strange New Worlds brought that to the table I thought that was really unique I have a few mixed feelings about some of the other stuff in the episode I, I, I almost found it slightly condescending the idea that Una and Leon were like so kind of out of touch that they didn't even want to enjoy Shore Leave I, I wasn't sure if I kind of bought into that but I did enjoy how it what grew from that? I loved the ending. Uh, the stuff, the the the. I guess it's the A plot, or if if the A plot is the negotiations, whatever the negotiations. B plot. I whatever. That idea of radical empathy and um, the notion of the transparency level Pike offered up. I, I felt like I was as shocked as Robert April was, <laughs> um, and I thought it was a neat, radical empathy was a kind of a, fun, a neat idea to explore. Something that looked kind of unique. And and lastly, I thought it was cool that all the plots are thematically tied without me realizing it at the time, that they are all in some way uh, a theme about seeing the world through someone else's eyes. Um, And and I love that. Um, So uh, although I, I, you know, with a few nitpicks, uh, very entertaining episode, great character growth, uh, I was pretty happy.
0: Cool. Yeah, I think we can call it um, silly, but with substance, right? Yeah, sure. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, for me, I, I think... It was interesting. People kept calling this, you know, it's a funny episode. It's going to be a comedy. And I don't think it's like full blown comedic, but it is lighthearted. I would, I would describe it as fun, not funny, but fun. It was a fun episode. Uh, something that we haven't seen a ton of in recent years. You know, I wouldn't say like there's no stakes. I mean, like trying to get that negotiation to, to pass, you know, getting this arrangement to of uh, passage to the rest of the Beta Quadrant between these, these two dangerous enemies with the, the Klingons and Romulans. Like those are pretty high stakes, but they're not immediate stakes. You know, they're, it's not stressful. You're not worried if someone's going to die or anything like that. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say it's less immediate stakes, not low stakes. Uh, but uh, Picard and Discovery... Can come close to doing fun stuff like this like you know remember when elnor was all confused about dressing up to go undercover and he's like oh i get it everyone's pretending and uh or you know like when burnham is drugged up in that disco season three premiere when she's being interrogated by the emerald chain and and martin greens is like acting ridiculous and stuff mm-hmm. like those shows can do fun moments but they haven't delivered like fun episodes like this uh yeah y- i mean Lower Decks and Prodigy are always fun, but we haven't gotten anything like this in live action since I think maybe season seven of Voyager. There's there's a few fun ones there. Uh, Did
1: Enterprise not turn up for
0: this show? Inter- when Enterprise tried to be fun and lighthearted like that, we got like a night in sickbay, which I think is one of the most unwatchable episodes in the entire franchise. <laughs> but And, and I, I like Enterprise. I like every Star Trek show that's ever been made, but that is a hard episode for me to sit through. But like you said, Dave, I appreciated there being a theme Uh, in all these different uh, storylines and it's you know it's an important message a very I guess standard Star Trek message but one that I think is always going to be a bit timeless and that is the the notion of of seeing things from someone else's point of view and the I guess the applicable part of that that you know we can we can like learn from this and and use in our in our lives is that the communication required to you know see things from other people's point of view and them to see it from your point of view it's it's kind of it's a two-way street you have to put effort into both communicating to them and also Put effort into listening to them. I I can see how like some things in here might feel like a, a a little dumb or a little cheap, but I had just had so much fun from beginning to end, and I, I feel like we've gotten so much story with these five different episodes. I, I I just like man, like we get another another half of the season like after this. I just it, it feels like we're really getting a lot from this show.
1: You know, um, I know that you were saying those positive things, but now I'm sad because I'm like, oh, we're already halfway. Bummer. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I was bummed after the first two episodes because I was like, "No, I can't believe like, I'm like twenty percent through." But I'm like, <laughs> I'm so satisfied with these episodes. I feel like I've, I've yeah. received so much. Story. Right, they're
1: they're jam packed. Yeah, they are. Uh, like we were noting early on, they seem to be using all their time and uh, so many, so many little character arcs. Uh, there's just a lot happening. Everybody's got a lot of development going on.
0: Yeah, uh, and there, there's some things I still need to see. Like I, I need, I need to see more Ortegas. I want to see her get. More spotlight in the remaining five episodes because I feel like she's the least explored. I know I know her the least well out of all of them, and I need a little bit more Hemmer in my life. Like I, the stuff we've gotten is cool, but like I, I need more. He wasn't in this episode at all, so maybe I'm having Hemmer withdrawals.
1: Yeah, I'm, I, I won't disagree with it. I feel like he could use some more screen time. He did appear on the Ready Room this week, so uh, for people looking for their hammer fix, uh, you can at least uh, uh, see the actor uh, in there and um, yeah, some cool Ork. behind yeah some cool behind the scenes stuff about how he uh, sort of helped form the character.
0: Uh, Yeah, it was Hemmer time on the ready room. (laughs) Man, those jokes are going to get so old. Uh,
1: Uh, I still like them.
0: I I hear someone say (laughs) Hemmer time about three times a week, I think. (laughs) But right now, it's episode breakdown time for us. We're going to carve this episode up, disassemble it like Hemmer would do if he was uh, trying to repair something in engineering. We're going to study each little element of it before we uh, put it all back together at the end and close out. So let's just start off with the beginning. That was a long teaser it's like a 14 minute teaser starting off but they have to set up the Spock stuff they have to set up the uh the dream and the diplomacy story and then the the shore leave stuff that's all in the very beginning so uh that that opening dream sequence let's let's just start there I was very impressed with this this looked exactly like how I I picture uh recreating the original series should look it was uh it, it was just really incredible how they got just the the, the look and the feel of everything so right you know the, the it's basically this exact same set except things are a little bit more detailed and there's mm. uh better lighting
1: i think it i think for some folks that uh, you know that have resist visual redesign on star trek uh with you know for new new decades and new which eras I, can, of technology, I can be like that. um i think this represented their ideal which which would be to take the original really no major changes at all just kind of enhanced it's like you t- it's like you just Turned up the focus and enhanced it,
0: mm-hmm. and then the music too—the music on top.
1: Uh, <laughs> uh, I, I forget—I can't say the name of the lady who's the composer. Nami Ma- uh, Malamad. Yes, I am. I am sure she had a, a good time. You can i feel like you can't not with that theme. Uh, now that said, like I said, I was. Although I actually did like to see Spock's portrayal of himself as human, uh, that is say mm-hmm. Ethan Peck's portrayal of Spock as human with the and human ears and all that. Um, I wasn't super on board that it was just um, it felt like a little gimmicky, maybe a little bit of too much of a nostalgic callback. So it was not like I wasn't like hating it either, but it wasn't like it, it wasn't what won me over. I was like, we'll see Star Trek episode. We'll see.
0: <laughs> I like that moment when he wakes up from the dream. And I'm kind of tired, like, seeing people, like, wake up from nightmares and, like, leap out of bed where they're like, oh! Like, like you get, like, the camera close-up of, the, like, their face. But when he goes to the mirror to, like, check his ears, uh, I, I like that little that little mm-hmm. moment. Like
1: Ethan Peck is, I think, one of the things he brings that's a, that is a little something – he's got his own way of doing it, but something that Leonard Nimoy did, which was a dry sense of humor, the ability for Spock to – express somewhat human qualities in small ways like that that a little a little sort of uh you know the raised eyebrow of irony or a ear check
0: <laughs> i was also happy to see T'pring again i really liked uh, Gia sandu in the first episode of the show and i was really impressed with the writing in that episode i guess the execution of it as well of how they made spock and T'pring come off as like so truly vulcan-ish but also incredibly sexy I think that was like a kind of a difficult thing to, to pull off as well as they did. And they were just as great in this episode, too. And and later when she gets possessed by Spock, her acting, I always thought it was Spock whenever she was on screen. Like I never I never looked at her and like, <laughs> you know, forgot it, it was it was Spock in there. So right, right. It is a uh, uh, it is a difficult thing to uh, to
1: pull that off and uh, fun to talk about in the ready room because uh, like Ethan Peck was like, yes, I'm. An actor, you know, pretending to be Spock, uh, pretending that to be inhabited by topring who is also a character inhabited by another actress or another right. actor. Um, and so uh, but yeah, you know, they said something interesting and it made sense to me. He said that they actually did some sort of behind the scenes uh, line readings and kind of work together to get their timing down. Uh, since I, by the way, I know nothing about those actors, uh, personal lives, uh, or, um, you know, whether they're gay, straight or anywhere in between. But, uh, but I was like, I wonder if they're hooking up. (laughs) It's just a thought that popped into my head. Anyway, um, it's happened
0: on Star Trek before,
1: you know, um, they, um, but they clearly put that work into it and they, I think they nailed their, their comic timing, And also they did it not just comic timing, though, that they, you know, they nailed uh, sort of the dry humor, but they also had that kind of little simmering uh, thing going on. You know, you knew what they were there for. Right. You knew why she was visiting and them kind of tiptoeing around it and her being a little bit. You know, maybe petulant to him, um, uh, but also, like, by the way, rightfully upset, <laughs> because Spock totally blew it when he uh, went off to uh, track down Una in the first episode. Understandable yeah. that he would do it, but very rude, uh, his assumption that to, that she would just be on board. Uh, potentially a deal-breaker, you know. Um, but, uh, but anyway, because you knew that these you know they both were drawn to each other they they both on some level are still very attracted to and like each other, and so these things that have come between them have that kind of leave that that gulf between them when they're in the room together that's you know it's that's that that kind of sexy um anticipation is going on.
0: And it's easy to sympathize with both parties, which I, th- I think that was like an important thing. You don't want the audience to be kind of like against one of these characters like, oh, you're being such an asshole to your partner here. like, Like, no, like we want Spock to, you know, do cool Starfleet adventures and stuff. And we can understand like topering being like, well, you know, you should you should stay home. I don't like when Captain Pike just calls and I get Spock blocked, and you have to like run off all the time like that. So she also uh, explains about like her job and stuff when she's talking to him. I, I guess I like, at first I was thinking like, oh, she like like a probation officer, but no, it's like she's more like a, a bounty hunter. You know, she's like going after right. like, these wanted fugitives. But it's and a weird stuff. thing
1: if, like a, a bounty hunter combined with almost like I don't want to say like a social worker, yeah, or, I think or that's and, fair. And, and like a little bit of a therapy therapist maybe right, right. even in there like i think when it works out uh as it's supposed to and i really <laughs> like that idea like it kind of gives her uh like this this cool you know a, a cool occupation uh, something i would not have guessed as sh- she's you know so cold seemingly in uh a mock time that um it'll be It's sad to kind of see her get to that place
0: it's gonna but... work out for her and ston though like she it, it ends happily for her it's, uh, it's spock who's <laughs> Who sure we feel sad do for. we know uh, you know I what I was wondering do we know much about stan we know that um hilman had something going on i guess while spock was on the enterprise but is it possible
1: that stan is a uh, prisoner that she rehabilitated brought in
0: uh, oh that'd be interesting. I'd like to see yeah. that fleshed out uh, now yeah. that we know her her role in in Vulcan society,
1: yeah, I don't know anything about Stan other than that uh he looked hardcore <laughs> and so so I could feel like he could no. be uh he could be like uh something like that. that
0: but... actor was a kind of a jerk to me one time at a convention many years <laughs> really? ago but I mean like he's dead now, so I guess like well I was gonna say um... I get the last laugh, but that might be in poor taste. <laughs>
1: But... He's, <laughs> uh, he's, you know, he was he was method, fathery. He's method like no, Jared okay. Leto.
0: Yeah, he. I needed to to fight him in ritual combat. I guess.
1: Yeah, that's only then can you prove yourself
0: to him. Mm. So. He also was a, a Romulan in Balance of Terror. He's one of the Romulans. Uh, yeah. Uh, but I guess let's talk about uh, Spock has to uh go off to work, promises to Pring he'll be home for dinner, but he is off in this this meeting with Admiral April returning, uh becoming a uh, officially now a recurring character in the show. Uh, they they set up the whole diplomacy thing here with uh, the Rongovians and uh the you know concern with trying to negotiate the uh the passage through their space into the rest of the beta quadrant and the botched negotiations from the Tellarites. Uh, it, it looked obvious to me, Dave, uh, probably to a lot of people familiar with the Tellarites. But when I saw this dude arguing with the Tellerite, and then when he comes into the room and and shakes hands with with Pike and immediately starts like smiling and laughing and stuff, I was like, "Oh, th- these guys—they just copy whoever they're talking to." It looks like.
1: Uh, right, I think I I think I didn't quite pin that down until I saw them with the Vulcans. I think I was just I, I was still just trying to wrap my head around it a little bit and. Um, I you know I was like wait he he shook hands pretty easily with Pike that's must indicate something but I was like you know maybe this is some sort of ruse of theirs maybe I don't know what their deal is um so yeah I didn't quite I didn't put it together quite quite immediately Father did you think it was it was they were too too quick to lead with that even though arguably that is a slight red herring it's not no. really what's happening
0: right right I think they're you could have like so a if you did figure it there. out like
1: that's actually not bad it's, that's right. that's good.
0: Uh, and then you get confirmation later when you see them acting all vulcan and that is when you know pike finally has it figured out so i guess that that all kind of tracks but they they have that line of dialogue in there empathy is a hallmark of our people few understand that and obviously Mm -hmm. that was like his like clue to pike to i guess like uh maybe you're the one who will who will understand us and 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 win our favor yeah captain vaso legalia and brax they they were kind of cool i think they were uh they were weird they were alien and they're a kind of a bizarre design visually. I, I almost think that they work best in like a, a lighthearted episode like this. I could see them, you know, showing up in lower decks pretty easily. I don't know if you know you could do like a a really uh, really like dramatic uh, serious episode with with these dudes. I, I guess you could pull it off, but that might not be like the best place for this design.
1: You know, you don't think their zebra stripes could like I feel like they could be like scary if you wanted them to be. But yeah, like, you know, at this point, I've seen so many different looking aliens in Trek and like I can't can't, uh, it's hard to judge a book by its cover for me. So I I feel like I could I could see him dropped into almost any role, theoretically.
0: But when I think the thing that they did give away too early is when. Admiral April says, "Oh, this is their ceremonial old uh, solar sailing ship. Whenever they form a new alliance, they fly the flag." I was like, "Okay." At the end of this episode, we're gonna see the Federation flag flying on this thing. <laughs> like that was, yeah, that was a pretty obvious checkoff. Maybe a little, maybe right a little
1: there. telegraphed there. Yeah, um, I thought that uh, Cisco and uh, Jake were gonna steal it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, they ain't born yet. Uh, well, well I, I, he, I was hoping
1: for time hijinks. Okay, we,
0: Cisco has come back to this era before, so. Hmm. Which we'll be talking about soon when we do our Deep Space Nine season five podcast in uh, about a, a month.
1: Man, that's crazy. Right on, but more more Deep Space Nine. That's good.
0: Uh, moving on to the the shore leave stuff. Uh, Mbenga, I guess he's gonna do some fly fishing. Just just leave the kid in the transporter buffer, <laughs> or maybe she gets to like run. Maybe she's like playing with other kids on the on the starbase. I don't know, but uh, I thought that was a little little I weird mean, they don't address that
1: i don't i guess she doesn't like experience time she's not like just sitting around waiting i think she's just sort of right. non-existent but she so. has to
0: come out from time to time so it just se- this seems like this would been a good place to like bring her out of the buffer but maybe not he's
1: he's sick of her father <laughs> like,
0: I guess yeah. everyone needs a break everyone needs a break yeah
1: yeah uh i liked his goofy hat um I like
0: Ortega's when she's like, "Oh, I thought you were going to put on a stupid hat. I was worried you're going to put on a stupid hat or something like that." <laughs>
1: yeah. That's a that's that's a good brand of sarcasm. I appreciate that. Ortega's is pretty fun to be around. And uh and I like all their like their future clothes, too, right? They look future-y without being too future-y or, you know, goofy, right? Yeah,
0: the uh the civilian clothes uh mm-hmm. which Star Trek traditionally was very terrible at uh, actually um actually look good. It was around enterprise when they started making like things a little bit more modern.
1: You know, I I felt like um I, I liked the uh, look as far back as for me at least
0: wrath of Khan. Oh, that's um, true. The uh, the original series movies. Uh, yeah, did they a good started job with that. They
1: started getting pretty good there, but yes, they've they've had some weird and ugly turns over the years. Uh, but uh, I feel like um a, a fair number of times the the core crew, the big crew members, have. You know gotten a little bit more attention from probably uh costume designers to ha- look a little bit better and uh, anyway yeah these these were good without being like too obtrusive they look casual
0: and uh speaking of casual uh we we learned like uh like chapel is only interested in uh in very casual dating and uh is very much like no strings attached doesn't want anything serious no commitment and... good for her <laughs> i i don't i'm not really sure like what uh a ortegas was going to do on shore leave though that's what i'm saying like i need more ortegas like they don't really explain like ortegas is just going to be like i guess wing manning for chapel but i, I kind of wanted to know like well what does she do for fun for like her rest and relaxation you know
1: yeah i i like her and and we it, it is time for another one uh do we know much about the next five episodes is it like uh, this is a very minor spoiler i think but like does anybody know if there's going to be an ortegas centric episode
0: I, I would assume there would be but i don't know that for sure okay
1: uh yeah i hope so too uh she's been pretty prominent uh just as far as like getting being in a lot of scenes but yeah we just haven't had a chance to explore her character too deep so uh, i like her
0: uh, but instead we get a lot of exploration of, of una and leon uh because they don't sure leave they sure stay I, I i think that is a good idea that they have like nicknames for the senior officers and stuff that seems like that's like real things that happen on real ships i'm sure well, I didn't think that was a particularly clever nickname. Like where fun not, goes not to exactly. die. Not exactly. It's a bit of a mouthful. It's a bit yeah, of a mouthful. That's like a, that's like a sentence. That's like a nick sentence on a nickname. <laughs>
1: yeah. If that was like oh the name of some uh, popular book or movie going around at the time, <laughs> a hollow uh, or whatever, uh, then uh, then maybe so. In fact, I actually think that if they had just said something like that, it's like um, you know that uh, that kind of hollow vid that was big a couple years back, where fun goes to die. That's what they call you a friend
0: a uh, geek filter says he liked fun's funeral better
1: <laughs> yeah it's alliterative it's uh it's good yes i didn't i didn't love that and and she kind of was portrayed like that she would be like i you know i am not unfun i am fun is kind of cartoonish right and and i also feel like most everybody has some sort of thing they'd like to do in leisure time even even workaholics i think you know have you know look for some kind of release so i didn't quite like that that's that's where i felt like they were almost being a little condescending towards uh her and um leon uh to, to sort of put them in there you know it was in service to, like. You know, it, that was the that was maybe the most sitcom-y sort of of the plots. Wait, what am I saying? I mean, the Spock and, and T'Pring was the most sitcom-y uh, conceptually. Uh, theirs was too, but because it went to an interesting place, because they used it well, and I mm-hmm. think they just, that was the uh, spur for it, you know? They needed that to sort of happen. I think they slightly shoehorned it to make it happen. But once it was going pretty good
0: i think they're writing number one to be very like all business incredibly serious only focused on the mission at all time which is how she was presented in the cage back when right. they shot the very first star trek episode ever in 1964 uh, but i don't always think that like rebecca romaine is playing her like that i think rebecca romaine is playing her like more kind of a uh, fun and with a little bit more warmth than yeah I she think, seemed more
1: easygoing to me
0: yeah. I-, I need to watch the episode
1: where she's what stuck in the elevator, the lift with uh, turbo lift with spot? Yeah, Q and A. Yeah, I'd like to watch that again and just sort of see if I can, you know, reconcile those if that works well. Because that was also, you know, that that was supposed to be her connecting with the coldly logical guy and, you know, having a little bit of fun. But yes, it's it's that's been in the nature of the character from inception. That that much at least is true.
0: And I almost feel like like the number one of of season one of Strange New Worlds, she's like. She's almost like kind of like girlier, like like Rebecca Romaine is, you know, not a not afraid to um, lean in lean into the 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 more feminine side. Like she wears like the dress variant a little bit, and um, you know, she also like her, has her nails painted and stuff. Whereas the number one in that Major Majel Barrett, play, I'm not saying like one's better than the other. I'm just saying like there there is like a little bit of disconnect there. But the the way that they described number one in the cage was that, um, yeah, she's she's very just like cold and just cares about work and seriousness and logic and might as well be a computer and all of that stuff. So, but uh, I, I'm enjoying the Rebecca Romaine version of the character, but yeah, just, it doesn't seem like that was what they were. The writers were thinking when they were writing this season.
1: I see there's uh comments in the uh, talk about, or in the, um, chat about um whether or not nurse chapel was bi she's i think there was a misunderstanding with a woman she she mentioned mentions
0: the the gal on this one planet who did sound like was a romantic fling but uh the way that she's talking about like you know has to be the right guy she's talking about like guys a lot i think she's probably a person who's like mostly straight i've i've seen the term thrown around a lot uh in in recent years uh heteroflexible i think yeah so I, I yeah I think I think she's probably like mostly into dudes but uh, occasionally girls is the way I, yeah. I would uh, interpret that. But however the you thing that that, sure I think that seems sure is that right now she likes to keep it short. Um, uh, yeah yeah that's the important thing. But yeah the the teaser ends with Spock finally returning after these these long extended meetings with the Rongonians and sees that Uh T'Pring had prepared this lovely Vulcan meal that I'm not really sure what it was. I guess fruit based. <laughs> it looks like. A colorful. Fr- I know there's no meat because Vulcans are vegetarians. But, uh, but yeah, and uh, he uh, he broke her heart, disappointed her, and now he's got to try to make that up to her.
1: You know, it's uh, he took a shot. <laughs> it's bad when you blow it twice in a
0: row that's that's the spot that spock is in <laughs> yeah both both episodes she's appeared in i gotta point out this comment in our live audience from our friend fleet boy who's saying i'm mostly into dudes but occasionally chapel and you know, everyone seems to love Nurse <laughs> chapel yeah it's like how uh, uh people who are mostly in guys who are mostly into
1: chicks are also into uh pike it's just how it works
0: let's talk about the the chapel stuff we we See her uh, have the, the date with, with Dever that does not go the way she hoped, and when he starts to like try to talk to her about getting more serious, she is like, oh, I need to go talk to my friend over here, and then has a chat with Spock about his relationship problems. And I felt a little the... bad about that dude that she left hanging. <laughs> it seemed a
1: little uh, cruel. Uh, on her part uh but also she her description of him as boring uh was uh one of those things that sounds like a that's like seems like a particularly harsh way to assess someone i don't know um maybe this guy wanted to settle down or whatever and that was just boring is how what she me is is just her panic over commitment or whatever oh, maybe but, um, he was
0: just boring though maybe he was like legit boring like,
1: maybe so he didn't seem interesting
0: I... to me like i don't did, I, I don't know if i ever need to see like that character show up in star trek again like
1: <laughs> he didn't have a, he didn't have a chance fathery <laughs> didn't have a chance
0: he was, he seemed very pushy so i i was kind of happy to see her uh escape from that <laughs> what was he pushy about i forget uh just like she didn't want to have the conversation and he kept like pushing he's like oh no like we need to talk about like our future what about us together like what if i transferred to the enterprise and she's uh, like okay. oh, let's just like go have some fun and he's like no, no, I want to talk about this, talk about that. And... Uh,
1: you know what? Uh, just a devil's advocate for him for a second. Like, if they're only meeting on shore leave, you don't exactly have a ton of time. That might be why he wanted to get that out there. <laughs> yeah, but, I uh, suppose.
0: I mean, he said... is kind of advocating the, the theme of the, the episode of, like, like communication and, and being receptive and, yeah. and uh, all of that, but... Instead I also, of...
1: by the way, I don't need Nurse Chapel to be like a, a perfect uh, person either. If she is a little bit um, a little brusque or maybe that was like not completely fair to him, that's that's fine, too. That's that's interesting. And what happens with her and Spock is interesting. The Yeah, connection... I,
0: I, I was much more excited to see that conversation. Uh, for when, sure. And
1: I think the writers wanted us to be.
0: <laughs> you know, they're very chummy. They're very much friends here. And we can see the formation of her having, like, genuine feelings for him. She's been, like, kind of flirty to him. You know, she obviously had, like, some physical attraction to him in, in previous episodes. But here, it's like, oh, I think this is the foundation of her actually falling in love with Spock. Which is, is weird. We know from the original series, she's going to get engaged to uh, Roger Corby at some point between now and mm. in the original series. But... Uh, she's gonna have like this love for for spock in there too somehow in the mix
1: yeah and the the spock thing is interesting because it started out like what seemed like in you know a few episodes ago like you know sort of flirtatious just her her kind of she's she's an impulsive sort of person and she was kind of impulsively slightly awkwardly flirtatious with him and and now it's like they had that connection there with it where when spock teases her a little bit at the end and she has that rather kind of genuine and warm sort of smile. Like she's a little like suddenly she, who's kind of rather outgoing sort of suddenly seemed taken aback and speechless for a minute. Uh, I thought that was a really sweet moment.
0: And she seems to an understanding you know, of like, Oh yeah, like you should be, you know, dedicated to your partner and get, get her to like see things from your point of view. And, you know, if you're, if you're worried about like this, this human thing about your human half, you need to explain to her like why that's not going to be an issue and stuff like that. And, and then she says, you know, why she doesn't take her own advice. She's like, I mean, it is a lot of work, and that's why I don't do it. That's why I don't get serious with people. I also loved Spock's uh, joke, his rhetorical, uh, what, what are friends for? What, or, no, she's the one who says that. Uh, but then like, he's like, I don't know, what are friends for? And then right. madness, he was just teasing. That's something yeah. he genuinely uh, wouldn't do with most people. And and someone might look at that and be like, oh, that's not the Spock I know. But I think it shows like, oh, he does have uh, a bit of a friendship and a bit of a connection with with Chapel, and I, I think that's cool for Strange New Worlds to add to that. I also think it's really cool that Kirk didn't even know about T'Pring, but mm-hmm. Pike is on like a first name basis with, like, she calls Pike Chris.
1: Right, right. Uh, that's that's true. I wasn't sure how much of that was her emulating
0: Spock doing that. Spock doesn't when, do it. O- only to pr- he always he always says Captain. Uh, only to Pring calls him Chris.
1: Interesting. She called yeah.
0: him Chris in the uh, in the first episode, and she's like, "It was a special night, Chris, when she got Spock blocked."
1: I wonder if there's a. I mean, do we do we know why she would be that? That is a, that is a little bit weirdly informal for a Vulcan.
0: She just like do knows. We, she just knows like her fiance's boss.
1: I mean, I guess that makes sense. Um, Spock and Pike seem to be close enough. But uh, as for Spock's behavior there, by the way, uh, I like the idea that, uh, you know, just as the, um, even if it was somewhat imperfectly done, that the the, the paternalistic Vulcans on Enterprise were on their way to becoming the the Vulcans as we saw them in uh, TOS. This is Spock at a point when, Maybe as he, you know, as to Pring fears, he's he's a little more he's more human than that he had been previously. That actually even sort of fits the appearance in uh, the cage, his mm. smile, and I think something may happen during the course of the show's run that may cause him to double down on logic. Uh, you know, something a, a final appeal to to Pring, a, a tragic event, something that he has he needs logic to get through, so that by the time of Kirk, he is leaning into it. You know, not some cold computer, but leaning into it but, but we're seeing him when that's not the case
0: yeah i don't know if they have like something like that planned but that would be like an a cool arc. way if, if if they wanted to do you know more human-y things with spock here because I, I mean they're uh, they... doing different things than what we saw in the original series i have i have 78 episodes of that version of spock so if they're gonna play around with some different stuff as long as it's good you know i'm, I'm gonna be pretty flexible on it
1: they set up enterprise bingo in what the second episode um yeah, yeah so so, uh, so there and then they've been a lot of these episodes have built on some small thing or you know included character instances from previous episodes so yeah the notion that they have an arc outlined for spock for you know a few years i i figure they probably do
0: it is a little weird how in a mock time he says like i haven't seen T'Pring since i was eight and like no one on the ship seems to even know that she existed I don't know if there's a way to try to explain that at some point. That's a but... tough one. That is a tough one. <laughs> but I mean, like, like I said, like I'm—I think as long as the stories they're telling are good, you know, I'm—I'm I'm, for me, I can't speak for the entire fandom, but for me, I'm pretty flexible with some of that stuff. If the mental gymnastics required to make all the headcanon continuity makes sense, if the, those mental gymnastics were an olympic event i would get a gold medal every four years i've I've just conditioned myself to always find ways to explain this stuff as long as the stories are good i don't mind putting in the effort to try to make it fit in my personal timeline in my head it's when the stories are bad and things contradict that's when i that's when i get flustered you can
1: always get away with stuff if you do if you do a good job of it um and by the way quality always
0: wins is what we like to say when he
1: said, uh, "I haven't seen her," then uh, maybe that is the formal Vulcan "seen her," as in uh, been out in public in some public way. I, I, you know, there's th- I'm just setting up the mental gymnastics for later. <laughs>
0: yeah. uh,
1: what well, else Vulcans
0: we got? lie, but not lie in the way that humans do. I guess. right? And we get that, we get that kind of flushed out here, so maybe that was like a, the the writers being like, "Don't worry, we we got we got ways to explain this stuff." But I was
1: yeah. trying to figure out if Spock was overtly lying when Pring said, "Your place is really." Human-looking, and he said, "Oh, it's uh, I'm I'm redecorating. It's a work in progress." <laughs> that sounded an awful lot like a lie to me.
0: I, I liked know... her response. I liked her saying, "Then I'll withhold <laughs> with- judgment." She's like, "I withdraw the
1: criticism, like until your completion, or yeah, whatever."
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. It was it was fun. It felt very vulcany, and that kind of kept it from feeling like just trite, like sitcom couple writing, you know. Yeah, yeah. From the Vulcan spin on it, made it fresh. Let's talk about the, the actual soul sharing ceremony that uh does not go according to plan and they get stuck in each other's minds. The I think I think the idea of like someone and their partner like showing each other like their, their innermost uh thoughts like this Probably in real life, it would probably actually be like an unhealthy thing. But uh, to to me personally, this is like a weird thing about me. But I've always kind of like thought about something like that. Like if you could like like let someone else into your mind like that, mm-hmm. that does seem like like a real like intimate thing to me. Uh, but maybe I'm weird for thinking that. I you know the the origin of that idea in my uh, in my mind that came from uh, X Men comics. Uh, D- Dave Dave and I both we, we referenced X Men a lot on text track though not as much now as we used to. But you're know, like Let's Scott about and the, Gene had that
1: the what they called the psychic rapport yeah
0: yeah i also uh and I can also
1: think of a thing like in uh the fantasy comic from the seventies and eighties elf quest had a uh sort of magical sort of thing like that where um people who connected could uh could sort of share thoughts uh i I feel like most humans have like uh more of a need for a private place for things uh to to like find that uh like a particularly appealing idea but at least parts of it i think are, are probably appealing to most people and that's what i like about sci-fi like this is the idea of exploring it and thinking oh where would i land on that spectrum a little bit mm. of sharing complete sharing man that's a lot you know um but uh but yeah i think it works for uh for vulcans
0: yeah and it shows you know spock's desperation to try to set things right and he got like a little too ambitious with his with his mind melding skills and couldn't quite <sighs> pull it off it seems uh but the you know comedy really kicks in here when when pike is told like okay the rongonians only want to deal with spock they never want to see you again but they will negotiate with spock so OK, I got to go get Spock. And then when when he's ringing the, the doorbell, the, the, the door chime to get into the quarters. And I loved uh, I loved uh, to who was it? it was to Pring or Spock who says, like, I, I know how I know how a door works or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, um, and then they get
1: into what I can only describe as a Lucy and Ethel. Uh, that is I love Lucy <laughs> style thing where they're like, the obvious solution is for you to answer the door and pretend to be me. and It's like immediately ridiculous. he got some
0: explaining to do.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Also by the way, I just I I, I I think I laughed out loud at the audacity, uh, even as my mind was trying to decide if this is gonna work or not, of that first line where they're like, It would appear we have switched bodies or you know, <laughs> I was like, Oh, they're going there.
0: <laughs> but but you know what what uh, i was worried about as so i was like oh no are they gonna try to like keep it secret and then to is gonna be like walking around in spock's body and have to act like she's spock and everyone thinks that she's spock and that and, and like like pike is gonna be like well, you're acting really weird spock what's going on and they're gonna be like hiding it and stuff and i was so glad i mean they, they hide it for like a little bit but then when they realize like Oh yeah, this is going to be like a bigger deal than we thought. They they come clean very quickly and I love I felt so relieved. I was like, oh, they're not going to do like the contrived thing where they're trying trying to hide it and for no good reason they just don't tell Pike exactly what's going on.
1: As a kid, I was often stressed out by tropes of uh, where people uh, in in like genre shows, superheroes hid identities, but also things like they couldn't get off the island in Gilligan's Island or, you know, um, I'm trying to think, Charlie Brown kept on trying to kick the football, all that stuff. Those those recurring tropes uh, would stress me. And so, yes, I I agree with you, Father. I liked seeing them sort of break the trope and just just tell him. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there were two moments in this episode where i had like a like a big like verbal outburst when watching I always for like keep up when i'm you know sitting in, in my living room by myself watching these if i like scream or cry or laugh or anything like that like something that makes me like have like a, a audible outburst like that what did it one moment here is when they tell him like um you can no doubt notice the difference in our mannerisms now <laughs> and when pike says yeah totally because that was another thing i was thinking of that was another criticism i was like why would you do a, a body swap with the two most similar characters on the show? Like they should have done like like Spock and Ortegas or, you know, like like right. uh, Hammer and Number One or something like, why would you do it to like the two most similar people? But they shine a light on that as well. And I was like, okay, this. so this scene just like- That whole scene got me really on board the episode. <laughs>
1: yeah, uh, good material. Um, and yes, that's the, of course, the, their game plan of uh, sort of, seeing what's really a kind of a nuanced thing of seeing what the other, the two of them have to deal with, uh, you know, to us, they're so similar, but to Vulcans, I'm sure they are considered radically different. uh um,
0: sure. you know, and the actors are playing it di- like, like, uh, Ethan Peck is speaking in a, uh, a, uh, a lighter voice or, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, like a
1: register or, or tone. A hi- yeah. yeah. Higher, higher voice. They adopted their hand mannerisms where she would like put her hands behind her back, like Spock, where he would kind right. of keep his in front a little bit more like the, a courtly sort of style
0: Right. Uh, out of the two of them, I it might be just because like, I'm more familiar with the character Spock. I've I've watched a shitload of Spock. I've only seen three episodes that have to pring in them. But Gia Sandu's performance just st- stood out to me more. It's like, oh, yeah, like she's nailing Spock. She's actually, depending if you count the baby in the deleted scene in Star Trek 09, I think she's actually either the ninth or tenth actor to play Spock at this point.
1: <laughs> yeah, this is going to be a good trivia question uh, yeah. when you like, factor all that stuff in. It's going to be good.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, but I guess uh, we should get into the missions that each go on is like a, a day in the yep. other one's shoes. Uh, T'Pring has to go do Spock's diplomacy and Spock has to go do T'Pring's bounty hunting slash social work <laughs> and bring in the uh, the, the fugitive. Uh, we, we briefly see T'Pring's co-worker, uh, Katil, who said like, oh, yeah, the dude don't, don't want to talk to me. Only you, T'Pring, you're the only person he'll deal with. But I liked, I liked her line. It kind of like, I guess, showed like T'Pring's dedication to to her her career, her field of focus. That. If not for us, who else will help the, them back to the path of logic? That they they look at it as not like rounding up, you know, dangerous bad guys, but like we're going to rehabilitate them. So it, yeah. it keeps the Vulcans, you know, seemingly like uh like advanced and matured, and even as as cold hearted as they can come off to be, they they're very ethical. Vulcans should be like unless you're dealing with the first three seasons of Enterprise, Vulcan should be uh very ethical. <laughs> yeah, no, I I like it too. I mean,
1: honestly, this was the journey Spock's always been on—is that. Crew members in the original series thought he was being cold and he was very often trying to do the best thing for them, the, trying to figure out the needs of the many and so on. Uh, and that, that's, that as an ethos runs through the Vulcan culture in a way that's been pretty remarkably consistent, possibly Enterprise accepted. But, you know, cultures are uh, imperfect things and they're not, um, uh, you know, a monolithic. So if, if the Vulcans bent that way for a little while or tended that way, I still buy it.
0: What did you think about getting to see those uh biodomes or whatever on Starbase 1 and getting to to hang out in there a little bit when when stuff was like, go there.
1: It made it look like visiting a Starbase would be pretty dope.
0: Yeah, I um, like this. It made it it made it different and uh allowed us to see uh Dr. Mbenga having fun fishing, but also uh, a lot of people, you know, there is like yoga in the park and stuff and uh yeah, well, it yeah, that was like a good place to to spend short Yoga or tai chi. Show. I don't know. Um, Worf the Tai <laughs> Chi. That was Worf's thing. Yeah, yoga you do on like the ground, right? So it was it was yeah. not yoga. There I um I, I wondered
1: if um they had uh, real fish in there whose little mouths were getting shredded by the um the thing on there, or if there was some slightly more humanitarian way that they were uh, fishing.
0: Well, he's a doctor, so he would just regenerate the fish's tissue when he's done with it.
1: That doesn't stop the traumatic uh, nerve ending pain. Um, <laughs> I'm just I think he's also by the way maybe gonna cook the fish, but I. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, that's right. Um, I forgot that um, at that point, Chapel is with Spock slash T'pring, Uh yeah, Sp- Spock bodies. goes
0: to her for for help. Uh, you know, yeah. I uh, they need medical help to resolve this, and I guess also wanted backup going after the uh, the criminal, uh, Barjan to Or. But I like Chapel's kind of reaction of like, uh, like, oh, like, yeah, you really took my advice uh, pretty far about like, uh, you know, trying to understand each other. Like, I don't know if you needed to like swap bodies like that. <laughs> it does seem
1: like an extreme solution.
0: And I liked when they go out to where they're playing. People are playing uh, chess in the park. They they have not only the 3D chess from the original series, but they also have like some Endorians in the background and stuff. I was frustrated that we don't see that Tellarite's face, because uh, I was hoping it would be like From... a better design than what we saw in, in Discovery and Picard, and I yeah. was disappointed we don't see close-ups of these Endorians out in the out in the park either.
1: Yeah, it's a little bit of a shame. I'm still waiting for our, but you know they've they, they they've gotten to Gorns, they've done the Enar. You know we're we're gonna get Tellarites. we we'll get there.
0: Yeah, and I think this might have been intentional. Like, well, don't give them too much. Don't show the face on the Tellarite. Uh, right we'll, when we we'll, when we do the episode that that gives him a focus that's when we get finally go to teller prime uh, our friend larry Nemachek, he's been like begging for teller prime for years he's like the number one Tellerite enthusiast like why, love it. why is that the only federation founding species world we've never ever visited
1: yep it's time to see the world of uh arguing pig people, uh, pig people. yeah <laughs> um I, I was thinking that this uh vulcan uh, i forget what his name is the criminal
0: barjan or... to or
1: barjan that i it's, i don't too often see uh balding vulcans uh, so I appreciate <laughs> that. That
0: Admiral Vulcan in Discovery was bald. Okay.
1: I but, just, not too, not too often.
0: Yeah, not, not too often. They normally have, like, the exact same haircut. Um, yep. he's also super racist. He was, like, uh, very, uh, very racist to, to humans.
1: Yeah, well, he's a criminal. <laughs>
0: he's, but, uh, he's we know that he's out.
1: abandoned, he's, he's abandoned logic a little bit, and yet Spock had to, uh, do some aggressive negotiations.
0: Do you know why I... Think in my head, Canon, Spock got so violent so quickly. The way that dude is talking about Chapel as like a, a stupid primitive human it was Spock the way the
1: Vulcans described him as a kid. That's how they described
0: him. his mom his whole life.
1: Mm. i I think you might be onto something. I'm surprised they didn't draw a little bit more attention to that. Uh, I wish it, that
0: they would have they would have had that
1: verbalized in the episode yeah, yeah but... psychologically it makes it makes a lot of sense uh you know I, I, they 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 may have done you know spock throwing a punch was just kind of a funny bit because you're like you know they were both basically put in positions that were beyond their capabilities and spock's solution was to clock this that da- dude <laughs> but yeah it also uh, it does it does make sense yeah this guy was being a piece
0: of shit yeah i don't really know what his deal was he you know apparently led some uprising on kepler b-22 which is a real planet uh but uh, I don't I don't know his backstory or anything. I guess it's not really important. It was just, this is what Tapring does, this is like what her, her nine to five is. So that's kind of cool. I'm glad that we uh, have added a layer to Tapring that I never knew I was I was curious about, but now I'm glad that I know.
1: Yeah, that's actually a pretty big thing for a uh, layer to, for me. To, the, the kind of thing that would make me want to see her, see more of that in future appearances or if they, you know, expand on their or give her some more time in a book. Yeah, yeah you do like
0: a novel about like one of her like, like fugitives she has to track down or something. Mm-hmm. Speaking of T'Pring, let's talk about her and Spock's body doing the diplomacy with the Rongovians, and uh, we we kind of get some of uh, T'Pring kind of. Uh letting her, her true feelings come out. Uh, you know. So, so much for that Vulcan suppression when she's talking about like, oh, I often wish that I didn't have to worry about my uh, my vulcanness being um, diluted in the Federation and I'd rather just be focused on staying at home. You know, she's obviously talking about like her frustrations with, with Spock not being able to be be home more often, I guess. Yeah, right. She's not happy at being an army wife with her husband like off on deployment all the time. But the speech that that Pike gave about why Spock is so great I loved that reaction on Ethan Peck's face when he's playing to Pring crying in reaction to Pike talking about how good Spock is. And I think that was I think that was Captain Pike trying to comfort her like you don't need to worry about you know him being like half human and everything like the fact that like Spock is so dedicated to. To Starfleet and to the Federation and, uh, you know, exploring and benefiting other cultures and all of that stuff and some stuff he might get from his human side that all makes him a great person. He's like this great example of, of how, how cool Starfleet is and how cool the Federation is. And I, liked, I liked, like her reaction to that where, like, you can tell, like, she... She was uh, proud of of Spock and, and happy to hear that from Pike. It's such
1: a it's such a crazy thing to do to have uh, someone inhabiting somebody else's body in a conversation <laughs> that is not about what the aliens, the Rongovians, think it is at that point. Is occurring. <laughs> uh, like there's like so many like layers within layers. That it's really like the more I think about it, the more impressed I am with what the writers did in this episode. <laughs> uh, that's that's and the actors, too, for sure, the actors. But uh, but the writers to, to co- sort of conceptualize these kind of wheels within wheels and scenes that might have double meanings, you know, equal, just like you notice that uh, Spock uh his particularly violent reaction to the Vulcan criminal m- certainly fits into his past. That's some that's some neat work. That's that's cool to have that kind of stuff.
0: Uh it's all, also unusual that they have such this beautiful moment with T'Pring when we know the marriage is not going to to work out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it does kind of undercut it when you think that, but Yeah, I think in the, the both... moment it, it's a beautiful scene.
1: Sure, sure. And like if you if you kind of like Look at it like how they have it and, you know, consider that most relationships are, are short-term relationships. You know, you may not want them to be, but that's just the fact. Most are. That what Spock uh, may get out of this that, you know, I don't think – they seem so cold in uh, mock time that, you know, you you think, oh, they, they've they maybe never really enjoyed each other's company. And here we're finding out that they did and maybe enjoyed it for years. You know, this uh, may be a uh, uh, successful short-term or semi-long-term relationship right up until it wasn't.
0: <laughs> but that that does – impress the rongonians to see uh see pike stand up for for spock and i guess show like empathy and acceptance towards his uh crew member let's talk about Mbanga and chapel reversing the the katra transfer with the the ground sea urchin a little bit like dr Flock's weird kind of almost like i don't like the term like alternative medicine because that's like not a not a cool thing in real life but right the, uh, right let's say like less uh typical medicine Okay. Right,
1: right. Uh Dr. Mbenga uh will destroy all sea creatures from fish to urchins. <laughs> he will fuck them
0: all up. Yeah, he he caught these urchins too. Uh I, I did laugh at Chapel's uh comment like they're going to nerve pinch us for this. <laughs> I guess he knew it was going to hurt more than they were they yeah. were telling them.
1: Spock has had cause to cry out in agony uh, two big times in the first five episodes. Maybe I'm forgetting even a third or something, but at least two big times. <laughs> Which, by the way, to me is very TOS. <laughs> they were so often they had pain collars on or some god would torture them or <laughs> Whatever, I feel that that's very thematic. Very yeah. on uh, on Leonard on brand. Screamed
0: a lot, not not as much as Chekhov. Chekhov was the biggest screamer in I the was original series. Was quite the screamer. But the uh, final moment in sick Bay with Chapel, you know, reiterating reiterating some stuff to Spock about, you know, like being honest, not just with Tepring, but you got to be honest with yourself. And then uh, we get to see. Sp- Spock and T'Pring have a, have a heart-to-heart back in their quarters, and Spock explains, uh, you know, he's he's loyal to Starfleet because he has accepted there more than he was in Vulcan culture. T'Pring talking to to him about, uh, I, guess, I guess, like, she she's telling him, you know, you don't have to worry about, like, your human side, and I'm not going to, like, hold that against you. And then they have makeup sex.
1: Yeah, I was going to be sad if they didn't get some sort of consummation uh, during their brief time together.
0: Yeah, she's um... been waiting for a long time, like, ever since, like, he walked out in that uh, series premiere episode.
1: Yep. Yep. <laughs> so good for them. I'm very happy for them. And it was uh, cute to see their, um, you know, their their pillow talk afterwards.
0: Oh, yeah. Where he's like, uh, it, it, yes. And it tied into the theme, too, because he's talking like, like, honesty, you know, like in the spirit of honesty, I should tell you that I that I punched uh, Barjan Bar- or uh, Yeah And she's like, oh, well, uh, having met him, that is logical. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line. Yeah,
1: yeah, there's some good ones in there. Yeah, like having
0: met him, that was the logical thing to do, or something like that. <laughs> but uh, en- enough of all the uh, the Ace story stuff. Are you ready to talk about Number One and Leon and their uh, fun oh, yeah. shenanigans? Yeah, on, yeah, let's do the it. Enterprise? Uh, they thought it was just going to be a, a quiet couple of days of uh, working on the ship, doing uh, duty rosters or whatever. Uh, which, yeah, like, that is lame that people would, like, look forward to, to doing that type of stuff. But uh, instead, they're excited that they have, like, a security breach to go after, and... Uh, number one is going to be back up for León, and she's like, "People are idiots. You are fun." So uh, I, I like that they've they've really cemented like their friendship. They they had you know I guess first introduced that in the first episode of the show, but uh, they they seem like a, oh yeah they're like uh, well, like BFFs now.
1: When last we saw them, they uh, they exchanged some harsh words and had right, some right. tough heart to heart stuff going on in yeah, Ghostville. Ghost Ghost of of so yeah, they're, yeah, they're,
0: they're so... over that. I think so, yeah, I think it's nice like, to see Data, you know, uh, Harry Kim and uh, Tom Paris. They're they BFF duo now.
1: Yeah, I and I like that. I like that we're getting to see that side of them.
0: And I like that they uh the the reaction on, on the ensigns that they catch uh trying to um go out <laughs> these the poor kids. Lot. They almost they looked yeah, they looked childish. They look like like little kids. Like they both are uh, very uh, very uh, like, short women like, playing these characters
1: Yeah, they were like fifteen year olds, uh <laughs> very Wesley Crusher uh kind of uh, kids on the ship.
0: I didn't notice until I was doing the screenshots, but the environmental suits have a built-in tricorder into the uh the gauntlet thing on the on the arm on the wrist there's like a little like tricorder screen
1: yeah it looks dope too
0: i was saying that they kind of make number one like a little like too nice and too warm uh compared to how she was written before i almost wonder if maybe they should have made her be the bad cop and they would have put leon in an interesting situation if like leon who's normally you know the more like gruff hard-ass type if she had to be the good cop that's not what they did like leon got to be a bad cop and make ensign christina cry uh so this is this is a character that i think is the chief communications officer on the ship this is like the third time she showed up
1: <laughs> that's a little harsh
0: but uh i'm gonna allow, in a comedic episode i'm gonna allow it <laughs> and when she's bawling her eyes out bingo it was enterprise bingo yeah like you're a grown-ass woman like you shouldn't like cry like that because like you got in trouble at work like that is a little that is a little weird
1: she's talking to is it leon or
0: yeah yeah leon's bad cop talking to christina and then the the Bolian zier is talking to number one to be fair leon i think could probably be pretty scary um. Uh, but what i thought was funny to me here uh, well two things stood out to me as being funny here one is when their punishment is to micro clean the transporter uh, for chief kyle and instant christine was like chief kyle he's so mean like that was my other outburst in this episode where i kind of like <laughs> scoffed and laughed at the same time i was like what what kyle is mean like <laughs> it was uh, so silly but i uh i i liked it because it, it, it i did get a cool reaction out of it i guess
1: I need to I need to see Kyle uh, exhibiting this behavior. Yeah,
0: the, the mean side to chief Kyle. That and then also when Ensign uh, Zier, the, the Bolian girl, is explaining to number one about, oh, it was the last square. So we were going out to sign the the scorch and number one is like, mm, OK, yeah, enterprise bingo. And then when they leave the room, she's like, what the hell is Enterprise? Be-? Yeah, like sign the Scorch last square. What does that mean? It's like if you're talking to like some uh, like person a lot younger than you and you have like no idea what their terminology is.
1: Right. This is uh, this is them talking about TikTok and yeeting
0: yeah yeah exactly i was like this is like if you talk to um uh, what do you uh, uh a zoomer a generation z kid like you you have like no idea what they're talking about <laughs> i wasn't sure by
1: the way where they were headed with this subplot but but it was it was kind of like yeah kind of infectious fun and then once they actually get to the list i was like oh this is where they're headed that's that is actually kind of a that is a good kind of silly but fun idea
0: i like the idea of enterprise bingo but it ain't bingo, it's a checklist. Like, they're just going through a checklist. Like, that's not how you play bingo. <laughs>
1: that's true, that's true. I guess I'm going to have to say that um, the word bingo has... Mo- the, the etymology and stuff has changed by the... Reddit. By that twenty-fourth uh, century, 23rd right,
0: right, century. yeah, twenty-third. Uh, so that, that's what I think uh, most most people in the audience who even catch that will will assume. But yeah, yeah this... I
1: hadn't actually thought of it until you said it. But you're right; that is not bingo.
0: <laughs> yeah, not not at all. They do some of these things that I thought were, were clever. You know, re the gun with a transport. I never thought about <laughs> that, but. Apparently, the transporter will rearrange those uh, molecules that make up the gum and it gets its flavor back. So
1: it's kind of doubly funny because, like, how often has gum ever come up on Star Trek? I feel like it can't be more than two or three times. You know
0: what? You haven't gotten to it yet, but there's an episode of of Deep Space Nine. Have you you ever heard, like, the baseball episode? I'm sure you've seen people like cosplays. Okay, anyway, in that, like one of the things Cisco uh, brings back is bubble gum. Okay. And O'Brien makes some whiskey-flavored bubble gum, because like, no one was familiar with bubble gum. But in the 23rd century, people clearly chew gum, because not only is Leon chewing it here, but Reno, Jet Reno, chewed gum. How will gum. we
1: square this with Deep Space Nine?
0: Well, the Deep Space Nine takes place, what, a uh, 115 years after this? So. Are
1: we to say that some event occurs in there that stops people from <laughs> chewing gum? I don't buy it. Like,
0: one hundred and fifteen years late. I mean, there's a lot of stuff people did one hundred and fifteen years ago that I don't think people do in twenty twenty two. So
1: I need a story about it.
0: Um, <laughs> you can uh, you can pitch that novel. Yes,
1: that's right. Uh, uh, I'm going to call the, the, <laughs> I'm going to call it "Losing Its Flavor." By the way, that's that's the <laughs> novel's title.
0: That sounds like a great read. How about you? We make that a short story. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, I'll, I'll see. Yeah, I'll see if I if I get swept up in it, it might have to be a, a full novel, but we'll see.
0: Uh, they also did the turbo lift shouting thing where you race someone to say a deck, which is something I never thought of. but, yeah, I guess someone <laughs> has to be first, uh, yeah, the phaser stun duel where uh, L- super
1: lowest lowest stun setting, yeah,
0: Leon possible. tagged number one.
1: these are pretty good, uh, like they're, they're it's a pretty good checklist, I want to say, I like those,
0: um yeah, and I guess, like the important thing being that uh, after all the fun and games, Leon at least she says uh, she's still not into it. She doesn't see what the big deal is. Uh, it's not really until the end, until the actual signing of the Scorch, that she's like, oh, wow, this is, like, really cool. Uh, so speaking of which, let's get into the, the ending, shall we? Yep, let's do it. I guess uh, the, the big moment, the big climax being Pike figuring out the radical empathy of the Rongovians when he, I guess, completes, like, the final stage of, of the test. There's not, like, aliens testing humanity. That is a incredibly uh, a common theme in Star Trek, but...
1: Although it does seem like these guys maybe test everybody they meet. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't sure. like a specific like we're not like above you. It's just like we're not gonna hang with you unless you can show. Oh, we need to make that... sure you're cool. Yeah.
0: Like I thought, um, the Klingons or Romulans were able to, to figure out the radical empathy, but but guessing, Pike figures it out
1: and guessing not. By the way, this is just as a quick aside, the Enterprise in the background outside the outside the viewport. It's just just a great shot.
0: So yeah, the, the show is just constantly gorgeous. Like the and most of this is you know the AR wall like here this this is use of the the AR wall of no doubt but yeah like they have managed to just like use the shit out of that AR wall. Like it's uh, it, it's very, very impressive and very beautiful. Every episode.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, Father, what did what did you think about radical empathy as a concept? Did, does it did it make sense to you? Did it seem was it a cool idea to you or not?
0: You know, I'm like you. Like when when Pike first started like going off and like yeah, like why should you even join the Federation? Like we're only talking to you because we want something, and you know <laughs> we, we might just be putting you at risk against these enemies that we're worried about and stuff. And, and he's even like, he's like, even the benefits you get come
1: with a cost. I was like, yeah. holy shit. But who that was, says
0: that? <laughs> that was, uh, that was the thing that they wanted was just be like, oh, well, wow, The fact that like, you're able to, you know, see things from our point of view, that's, you're the one that like, we're going to choose to be friends with and we're going to, we're gonna go raise your flag on our sailing. It's very mysterious. Instead of just like signing like an agreement now, we're just gonna walk out of the room and go raise the flag on our ship. But it is dramatic for the audience watching at home.
1: I like that. Yeah, I like uh, you know. Um, I like the idea that maybe that uh, more 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 aliens wouldn't necessarily follow our starfleet's parliamentary procedures mm. style i'm like yeah that's that's yeah. kind of a little stuffy if everybody does that um it, it acknowledges other cultures more if even their methods of negotiation are a bit different
0: yeah the the, the aliens are alien uh no doubt so I, I gave them kudos for that earlier so i'm not going to complain about it now uh but uh yeah and then you know una and leon signing the scorch and seeing the the ship pass by overhead and having like their big wow moment over that yeah Again, you another know, really another cool great ef- another great effect. Um, that that
1: that's not an idea we've ever heard of before. The uh, signing the a uh, uh, piece of hull that's you know hasn't been refitted. Right, that's like not right. that's not a thing on Star Trek. Right, it's not something I didn't know about.
0: Correct. Um, uh, but I and... really like it. Again, that seemed like something. Oh, you, like you would really do this on a real ship. It seemed yeah. like a very like a natural real life kind of thing that would happen. There's one thing I dislike about it though. Yeah, and that is the location of where the scorch is near the front of the saucer is it where they took some damage yeah in season two of discovery in the episode such sweet sorrow part two we see that that torpedo that was like lodged in there and admiral spoilers for disco season two but admiral cornwell sacrificed herself to uh detonate it and blow it up uh that took out like the front half of the the saucer here so oops (laughs) Uh, you know what?
1: I guess I'm gonna. Did they have to flee that scene or anything ultimately? Because otherwise, you could say that okay, that piece was still floating around out there. It was retrieved and it's, they rebuilt welded it into back it. on. Yeah, oh, that'd and, be and pretty so you cool. Could, yeah, okay. and, like if they had to take flight and like get the fuck out of there, then okay, yeah, they're not gonna have gotten it. But I, I, I don't remember quite. how But that scene
0: I want to believe that this this piece of the Enterprise is still on there through the refit in the motion picture, and it's there like all the way until Star Trek: three the Search for Spock. I would love if, like mm. someone like create like some fan art. Of, like, this this uh, hole plating here. Tumbling like, off. Yeah, like, burning up in the atmosphere of the Genesis oh. planet or something like that. Mm.
1: I like it. I like it. Yeah, I'm I'm into it. That looks like Akiva Goldman, or no? I I just it almost looked like it at the bottom. I see an A and I see a G. I think there's
0: that's... a there's an Akiva Goldman. There's also a uh, thing in there. I'm saving for the the Gorn eggs. That I think is, oh, okay. is fun. And I think I think some of like the prop department people might be in there. Our friend uh, Geek Filter was uh, talking about that. But uh, the the signature that Una has, where she writes like number one, Una Chen Riley, number one, yeah, or hashtag one. That was
1: kind of cute. I, I I don't I I don't know what to make of it other than it seemed cute to me.
0: Rebecca Romay needs to do that in real life, though. She's signing oh, autographs God. at the Star Trek convention. Yeah, like, she has yeah. to do that now, right? She has to put number one on there.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's too good not to.
0: Yeah, I, ho- I hope that she does that. And I guess the, uh, the very last couple shots of the episode are Chapel and Ortega's hanging out in the lounge on the Starbase. And uh, Chapel uh, talking about uh, for her to be like genuine and honest in a relationship, it would have to be for the right guy. And then she she hints that she has more to say, but won't reveal it to Ortega's. Mm-hmm. I think she's fallen in love with Spock and that's what it is. But I don't know. What what did, what did you think she's she's not saying there? What's the thing being? Unsaid? I mean,
1: like, I, I, I can't see any other interpretation unless she's got a thing for Ortega's right at the moment. Yeah, so you know, um, that's in a which possibility. Case, in which case, I think she would have said it'd have to be the right person and, and left it more gender ambiguous.
0: Right, right. Yeah, she will say guy.
1: So I think it's got to be Spock. Like, that's what literally what the episode was about, seemed to be showing how her like light flirtation with spock maybe went to a more serious seed planted inside her head so um so yeah that's 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 spock it's spock
0: Uh, you want to hear something exciting or exciting to me anyways Uh my friend on twitter uh trekkie bill had kind of he he has like a lot of like really good tweets and uh people should people should follow him he's a cool dude but he had tweeted how right now somewhere there's a guy my age or older who's mad that Chapel's not in a relationship with Roger Corby right now, you know, something like that. So I thought it was kind of funny, like complaining about you know, like the people that are, are get all bent out of shape out of continuity, which I can be one of those at times. But yeah, I think that's that's a fair. So tell me, bit. I
1: don't know the deal on Ru- uh, Roger Corby. That is the, who she. What, ends what, up what little with? girls
0: are made of? That was her. Uh, ah. That was her fiance that they find on that planet, and he had like built all those androids and.
1: I need to, right, I need to rewatch that episode, that'd be, that'd be a fun one to revisit. Oh. Well, maybe but, we'll revisit but that like, in our
0: watch-alongs at some but point. But
1: that's, like, what, ten years or whatever from
0: the present? Well, they hadn't seen him in five years, so, and that's seven years okay. after this, so she needs to be, she needs to be engaged to that dude within the next two years. However, okay. the, the exciting thing is Akiva Goldsman, who does not use social media a lot, Akiva Goldsman replied to that tweet and said something like, oh, well you know very soon or something like that so i think we're gonna get roger corby on strange new worlds at some point in season one or season two it's
1: it's it's a great um opportunity right it's you know they, they've they we've, we've gotten a sense of who chapel is even in just five episodes so who's the guy who can you know sweep her off her feet who can maybe knock spock to the side for a while
0: yeah and will um, there be kind of like a love triangle thing to where like Spock likes being her friend, but she wants it to be something more, but she gets bitter at that and decides to get engaged with Roger Corby or something I don't like
1: or it. is it time for Trek to get a little bit more modern and have some sort of like element of open relationship and discussion of uh the yeses or nos of that <laughs> I think so,
0: yeah, or they all become a thruple even if
1: it's not them some yeah yeah <laughs> become a become a thruple a tr- a triple or whatever um <laughs> But uh, yeah, like uh, I, I would for sure like to see more discussion of different relationship dynamics on Star Trek. They, that it's, it's, it's one area where I feel like they haven't uh, kind of gone as far as nearly as far as they should be.
0: Oh no, Joel in our live audience, he's saying Brent Spiner as Roger Corby. we <laughs> are gonna make Roger <laughs> Corby a <assume>. soon. No. <laughs> the, do the
1: de-aged makeup on um, Brent Spiner.
0: Yeah. Uh did you have any other thoughts on this episode before we go into the Gornegg section of the show?
1: Nope, let's do it. That's uh other than that this, I think of uh I think of the first five episodes as a set because that's kind of went out with some of the screeners, and that's sort of what, what you know, uh that that is a good batch and man they not a, not a bad one in the bunch for me. That's pretty fucking impressive. Mm. I honestly was, did not expect them to be able to do, it, do as good a job as they're doing and to have as wide a variety of episodes as we've seen. It really is very much what I was hoping for when we would get to episodic stuff, uh, the, the, the fulfillment of the episodic notion that still also moves forward character stuff. So, yep. so I am pretty damn happy Trekkie at this point.
0: Yeah, that does seem to be, you know, a very common reaction. Uh I've I've seen a lot of people who struggled to get into some of the the recent shows feel, you know, more at home with Strange New Worlds and they're watching it or I I know I know people whose spouses weren't watching Star Trek with them, but now they're watching Strange New Worlds with them. I think that's cool and uh, I also think, as I've been saying, you know, week to week, other than a bunch of references in the first episode to, you know, Pike knowing his fate and this big battle that took place and stuff, I think this is a great show to bring people into the franchise. On, uh, I think so. It's it's a good it's a good way of introducing Star Trek to someone. These five episodes that, like you mentioned, you know, they 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 gave out to to critics um, before the show premiered those five episodes were good enough that you know you got the highest rotten tomatoes score out of any star trek show ever so these five episodes as a a collection were just my casual observation every show
1: my casual observation is that the approval rating is through the roof overall in the fandom
0: but let's uh hatch some gorn eggs those Mm. are all of the easter eggs in jokes and continuity connections i thought were worth bringing up starting off the amok time stuff that we got in that dream sequence there is so much in here just the the location that big bridge going off to like the the ceremonial area the uh, you know that, that ceremonial courtyard or whatever uh the uh elder uh the people holding those little bell things the gong that little pit with those those flaming stones or coals or whatever uh all of that stuff was was recreated um the music of course like i mentioned earlier uh w- what am i missing there, there's a lot to go but just caliphate itself fighting with lerpas who, who ortega's says it weird she says like L- lupra or something we- mm. she had like a weird pronunciation of it uh, well, i think it's- I, I didn't
1: notice that yeah
0: lerpa or lerpa but anyways, yeah, I think that's the proper. I'm, I'm not sure how to say it now, but the I, I, I loved the Gerald Fried music being recreated so uh, authentically. Like, like they're not like embarrassed of that uh, very uh, like over the top music. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sometimes
1: I think that when they play it, that there is like a sort of ir- a bit of ironic, like, "Isn't that crazy? Isn't that kind of fun and campy?" A little bit um so i think sometimes there's a little bit of an element of it in there they're like well we would only show this because we're being nostalgic but it is true it's like it is just a different style of music there there was a the more bombastic you know style in the 60s that you know had more stings and more punctuations of the of the action and i think they Trek was was had very gifted composers so so that's that helped yeah. a lot
0: and if you had never seen a mock time and you would never heard that music before, you, you didn't see the episode of Futurama it showed up in or, like, anything like that, and you're just, like, some 19-year-old who's never watched Star Trek, and this is your introduction to all of this stuff, then that I think that music still works. It makes this feel, like, so, like, surreal... Yeah. And, uh, like, I think, I, I think like, a little bit, like, kind of, like, on edge and stuff. Uh, I, I'd be curious to hear someone who's, like, hearing it for the first time here, but I, I think it works for the, the dream sequence quite well.
1: Yeah, um, you're right, Father. I'd, I'd love to hear from, you know, some younger viewers.
0: And even the way they shot some of those fights with, like, the really wide shots with the camera, like, looking down, they 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 uh, copied that. So uh, very good attention to detail. Very impressed with that. And, oh, uh, Spock's quarters. There is some stuff he has as his, uh, his loot and those little bell things and some things that he had in the <laughs> original series. Uh, hanging up uh, the decorations in there as well. Uh, Moving on, though, uh, we get references to the Klingon Empire and the Romulan Star Empire here. Uh, I just want to point out, I'm looking forward to seeing whatever the show decides to do with them. I think they're going to be paying attention to the Romulan stuff. They they kind of acknowledge that here, they're like, well, we don't really know what the Romulans are up to, but they're biding their time, waiting for something. So, uh, so cool. I think they're going to figure out a way to, you know, kind of like how they did the Gorn, where no one actually sees a Gorn. I think there might be a way to do something with the Romulans, and I'm very curious to see whatever Strange New Worlds does with the Klingons when they make their return. Uh, I, I think that's going to be cool. And also, Pike has the green wraparound that Kirk wore in the oh, original series. Yeah. I was not yeah. expecting this, but I liked seeing it. I, yeah, I want to wear this. I want to wear this mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's not like a dress uniform. It's just like a, like a variant. But it was introduced in the original series episode, The Enemy Within, where the transporter creates a copy of Kirk. And it was obviously to allow the audience to be able to distinguish which Kirk is, is who by having them in different uniforms. The one that Kirk wore, I never had like a desire to cosplay that. But if I can get one of these these pike ones, I totally want to wear this.
1: The updated version, yeah, for sure. They did they did a very good job with it,
0: and it's surprisingly faithful. Uh, but speaking of that gal that uh, Chapel had uh, an encounter with, that was on Argelius Two. That is the Wolf in the Fold planet in the original series. The episode Wolf in the Fold, oh. where you go to watch uh, belly dancers, and then. Stab him to death in a alley. <laughs> Bit of a uh, pleasure planet, a uh, Risa style, right? Yeah, I kind of wish that they, instead of inventing Risa, they just uh, kept using Argelius too. But there, there's mul- the galaxy is big enough for multiple pleasure planets.
1: I should hope so. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, I also liked Ortega's mentioning uh, Yeomans, the rank uh, Yeoman. That's something that they have not brought up in Trek in many years. So I'm glad that yeomen are a thing uh, again. Uh, hopefully they're not treated as like secretaries that just like bring you your coffee and. Uh... I mean,
1: Ortega's did take a knock at them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, they're uh, low. She's ranking. like that's why they're...
1: she's like that's why they're yeomen.
0: <laughs> yeah, they're. I mean, they're like like uh, low ranking, um, non commissioned people. So it's right. kind of yeah, it's kind of like that military vibe. Uh, the big one here for a lot of us animated series stands is uh, Spock mentioning Aichea. Uh, yeah. His uh his God. beloved pet old fat teddy bear with a broken yeah. tooth. <laughs> um but cool thing here that a uh, geek filter if he's still in the audience pointed out uh who for those who don't know I, I i mention it all the time but uh but our friend aaron who's on the show frequently designer and co-author of the official guide to of the animated series book he pointed out that the way spock is describing Ichea here he's talking about you know his teenage years and that the was actually like a good attention to detail to the timeline because originally Ichea, spoilers for the animated series but originally like Ichea lived a few years longer and that he only died early as a result of the Guardian of Forever time travel shenanigans. If you if you follow Geek Filter on Twitter, he did like a really cool visual graphic explaining the the timelines there. But uh, originally, I Chea I would have lived, I guess, into Spock's teenage years. Um, but after the journey through the Guardian of Forever and the time travel there, there was a, there's a line in. Yesteryear, the animated series episode, there's a line, uh, you know, uh, Kirk asks Spock something like, you know, is everything restored? Is the timeline back to normal? And Spock says something like, uh, uh, you know, there, there is one difference, Captain, this time a pet died, or something like that. Mm-hmm. The way that Leonard Nimoy delivers that line, too, is magnificent. Like, the. That, that, um, Aaron
1: did such a great job with the graphic there, and so am I, if I understand it correctly, broadly speaking, it's simply that the time travel has not yet occurred, so Spock right. is now living in a timeline where his Salot lived longer than when the events of the Star Trek animated series um, undo that.
0: Right. So it gets retconned in the animated series, but this takes place before that happens. So
1: maybe a slightly happier <laughs> Spock.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. Like. Uh losing Ichea you know 10 years earlier I don't know like how big of an impact that has it's as different as the Kelvin
1: timeline Kirk didn't grow up with a father and Spock didn't grow up with Mm. a sailor Spock's gonna
0: be like stealing cars now (laughs) yes Grand Theft Auto Spock what we always wanted Grand Spock Auto uh, moving on to our Bolian ensign uh, Zir, this is the first Bolian we have seen on screen, first like true Bolian in 21 years, I think. We haven't seen one since Voyager season seven, but they were a, a staple wow. Federation race in the uh, in the Berman era. Um, first introduced in the Next Generation episode Conspiracy, and very faithfully recreated here. They did an excellent job with the the makeup and uh bringing that back so i was very very pleased with that uh moving on to uh barjan to again he is a Vatash couture or a vulcan without logic we encountered them in the enterprise episode fusion where uh the one where paul gets uh mind meld assaulted and it's kind of uh kind of cringy but uh yeah they they met like the the cult of hippie vulcans that uh kept kept their emotions but also tried to live in logic it was uh, a uh, neat idea, but it is a little they took it in like kind of weird direction. Especially yeah. when they made her get like a analogue of an STI because of her uh because of her assault. That was um they, they they definitely like leaned in like to Paul like being a victim a lot on Enterprise. So it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't a great representation, I think. But uh, moving on from that, the Enterprise Bingo list, the, the actual entire list is Use Transporter to reflavor gum, phaser stun duel, turbo lift two floor shout challenge. Set the Universal Translator to Endurian. Gravity Boot Hang Challenge. Medical Tricorder Challenge. Vulcan Marsupial. That's actually a reference to the Voyager episode Lifeline. They talk about Vulcan Marsupial there. (laughs) Food Replicator Challenge. Durian Fruit. I don't know what Durian Fruit is. Uh, Sneak a triple into the transporter buffer. Sit in the Captain's Chair. EV Suit Challenge. Unsanctioned Spacewalk. Sign the Scorch. So that was all in there. And every time that una would would check a thing off on that pad it played a little digital version of the original series score it's like a, a <laughs> yeah i noticed later.
1: that uh, that was fun
0: yeah and we know that that music exists in universe because in conscious of, of the king there's like a weird like an elevator music version of that during the cocktail party so it's a, a different it's not it's not the theme of a, of a tv show it, it's some different arrangement uh in that in universe but it, it does exist i uh, kind of like the, the ds9 theme when that Bajoran musician is playing the DS9 theme in the episode um, with the Sikrians of Sanctuary. Uh, I was actually joking around the other day. I think all of the Star Trek theme songs exist in universe, except for the enterprise theme song, because it's a utopian future and they wouldn't have that garbage music. (laughs) I'm going to just
1: let that go. Father, you just have your moment. (laughs) Just enjoy the hate and just know that, uh, that uh, Spock would frown on it.
0: I ain't got no faith in the heart. Apparently. (laughs) Oh, and that sea urchin, that ground-up sea urchin that Mbenga uses, that is Navalan sea urchin. Uh, There was a uh, planet—Navala had a research outpost that got attacked by the Klingons in the Klingon War in Season 1 of Discovery, and they killed everyone except for the children or something like that. Admiral Cornwell mentions that when Disco gets back from the Mirror Universe. That was the last time we heard about that planet. And then the last two Gorn eggs I have— The uh, Scorch that had all the signatures on it, Uh, someone actually wrote L-A-A-P on there, like Live Long and Prosper. Uh, People, you know, write that, and and Star Trek fans use that in, like, signatures of emails and stuff all the time, (laughs) L-A-A-P. Uh, so this is like texting culture with uh, with within the Star Trek fandom, I guess. <laughs>
1: Where's I want a little emoji afterwards.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the, the Vulcan salute emoji. We have that. Uh, Star Wars ain't got no uh, emoji. It's true. I'd like to
1: point point out that among the all the uh, core emojis that you have on your phone, the uh, at least the baseline ones, the uh, only one that touches on a licensed property is Star mm-hmm. Trek.
0: Yeah, Marvel and DC ain't got that. Okay. Uh, the last Goreng, of course, probably the most obvious one. Is the solar sailor at the end having its magnificent moment uh, was a uh, homage, I believe, to Ben and Jake Sisko and their solar sailor in the episode Explorers. And that's all I got. But we always love to hear what people think about these episodes. We'd love to hear what people think about Spock Amok. Be sure to comment. Let us know. Uh, We actually have a lot of feedback on last week's episode, Memento Mori. Uh, I also ran a poll to see like what episode did people like the most out of the four previous episodes, and they they were ranked in like the most recent order. Like Memento Mori won the poll, and then the next was Ghost of Illyria and then next was Children of the Comet, and then the premiere episode was like the the, the least favorite. So I don't know if that's just like recency bias, or uh, or is is that the actual or, like
1: right, or is it just us getting you know coming get, getting used to the show and getting coming into our own with the characters. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know either. I can't. I can't quite guess.
0: But, uh, but, Dave, what were people saying about Memento Mori?
1: Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, just quick. Uh, I'm gonna go through a bunch because we got a bunch. I'm gonna try and do as many as I can as fast as I can. Uh, Jason, uh, Majors, says, uh, it honestly brought movie-level suspense to a TV show. Very well done. Love this show. Class Warrior, as at war again, says, it took them literally 20 years to make the show I wanted. They made it, and it's friggin' awesome. I can't wait for them to fight some Klingons or Romulans. The actors are great. The plots are good. Please, God, just keep it coming. Dramatically Bored says, I want a t-shirt with a picture of the NCC-1701 on it and the phrase, She'll Hold. I thought that was a kind of a cool idea.
0: Um, <laughs> That'd be a cool shirt. I'd buy it.
1: Yeah. Let's see. Uh, in hiding, 1138 did have an interesting point here. I thought the original gimmick of Arena was that the Goron might be as benevolent as the Federation and that the conflict was a mix of turf war and misunderstanding. Later, DS9 would host a Goron uh, envoy. Still room to maneuver plot lines back to that. So it's an interesting point about the possibilities with the Gorons. Uh, Jeff Keeler uh, on a more sort of critical front says I'm enjoying the series but feel like each episode you could do a bingo game of what prior episodes they're a combo of this week was TNG's Disaster and DS9's Starship Down have to give them a pass because I realize it's hard to come up with totally new ideas at this point. Um, Dave Lowry uh, just wanted to call attention to one scene Pike's absolute relief when he hears that Uhura and Hammer have survived. And someone uh, responded to that. Eli Bornheim says, you could feel his relief. I always love seeing leaders show how much they care for their crew. Top tier acting. Oh, my God. So good. Cherie Lynch says, I'm not sure how it happened, but the Goren went from silly in the TOS to scary in strange new worlds, and now we don't know what they look like. They are the new boogeyman. Marcos Garcia says, Paramount, and then he just had the uh, Futurama gif of Fry doing the take my money.
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're a soulless corporation. They will take all your money, so <laughs> you don't need to tell them that.
1: Olympia Lowlife says, show them. Ugh! <laughs> uh, one of a number of people who would like to see the I I, I I get the reaction. Yeah. Um, Steven is really near, says, uh, in replying to somebody, says, Leon is the breakout character of Strange New Worlds. Everyone is uniformly great, but her character is so deeply touched by trauma, yet shows such courage and duty while defying the uh, hashtag dead red narrative of TOS, my new fave character based on this episode. Uh, Captain of the CSS Enterprise says, uh, had an interesting point, says, I really hope the show doesn't get too aggro too quickly. We are a war weary people. And uh, I think an episode like the one that we just saw would uh, maybe maybe be a good counterpoint to that. Yeah, that I don't kind think that they're a cleanser. Yeah, I don't think they're going too hardcore, or brutal in this show.
0: Yeah, Dave, uh, I don't mean to interrupt, but I just want to point yeah. out to you that uh, we're going to be talking about Deep Space Nine season five pretty soon, and they they definitely have a similar formula there. But well, they'll they'll do like some some big, serious, maybe even deadly stories. But then they'll do something like really fun the next week. And it's a it's a healthy balance for the show. I like seeing Strange New Worlds follow in that similar tradition.
1: Yeah, that is uh, something that I really liked when we were doing the DS9 watch. So Jonathan Hibbard, uh, someone else says, felt like a feature film, had the scale, the action, the character of any of the best uh, Star Trek films, but did it in half the time without feeling at all rushed or lacking. One of the all time best episodes of Trek. Joanne Robertson says, "I was I also was fascinated by Pike's leadership style. I love the way he coaches his team. He's very patient with all of them. Thought that was a good point. Oh, and here's uh, and uh, Liz at uh, Zombie Penguin pulls out a quote here. I loved it." I will not fight for Starfleet, but I will defend its ideals. Pacifism is not passivity. It's the active protection of all living things in the natural universe. Uh, What a powerful statement. And Hemmer's belief that uh, death only comes when you've fulfilled your purpose. Um, So, yeah, a lot of people I I saw mentioning uh, Hemmer and uh, a lot of people liked that quote I noticed. So um, I think that's all all the big ones I've got here In, in general. Yeah, it seemed like people were very into it.
0: Very cool. Well. Let us know how in you were to, or how how much you were into, or whatever the correct grammar is there, <laughs> but wh- what you thought about Spock Amok.
1: Fathery, I just have to quick mention it just because it didn't come up at all. I didn't think to say it, but that the Spock Amok uh, thing seems like to me it was also a reference to a classic Warner Brothers cartoon where Daffy Duck is, you see the animator drawing him and playing all these pranks on him, and that episode was called Duck Amok, And so I assumed that this was like a tip of the hat to that as well. And I just wanted to point that out. Cool reference.
0: Yeah, we got to sign off, but we'll be back next week. Thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Uh, Please help us out on Patreon if you can. And until next time, as always, live long and prosper, y'all. Listen to the Text Trek podcast through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or at text-trek.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash text-trek. And follow Fathery on Twitter at @TXtrek. Please support us by liking our videos and subscribing to our channel on YouTube. Thank you and
1: take care.